the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. Yeah, you know, a, a, a spin on that, that is a really good question, is well, given... No Bruce Hooley, but I'm, know, I was, I'm, I'm impressed with that because I actually was thinking, <laughs> what do I ask him today? Uh, there you go. I'm but, here to do your job again. Here's so, what I want to know. Given the circumstances they're under right now, no spring ball, nobody in the facility, is it harder for him to identify that guy? How much harder is it? Is it impossible for him to identify that guy? Uh, or what are guys doing now? I want. How much contact does he have with these guys? I mean, they're not allowed to be in the facility. Oh, so we had these so guys many just, questions. We had what so many questions. So many questions we had the other day. Now we have answers to those questions. Good morning, everyone. It's a Friday edition of the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Chris Spielman observing uh, appropriate social distancing. Joining me uh, by the magic of technology from his uh, lovely home. How are you, sir? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. We got answers to our questions for Ryan Day the other day, which we will get into here momentarily. We have uh, Mike Brown spending like, I don't think Mike Brown would ever be a drunken sailor, but he's spending like a sailor. Uh, and we have the effect of COVID-19 cutbacks on the NFL draft. I wouldn't say borderline guys because Robert Landers, Malik Harrison, they're going to get drafted, but it's a different world. It's a different world for J.K. Dobbins and Jeff Okuda and Chase Young, but I don't think those guys are going to be hurt as much, or maybe not. We'll get into the discussion today. Everybody good at the Spielman household? Yes, everybody's good, and we're kind of just hunkering down and Waiting to get going again. I think everybody's getting going. And, uh, you know, at least the weather's been nice. So people have been outside. And what I've observed, for the most part, they've been observing the the social distancing guidelines. And I think it's, uh, you know, I, 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 got, I just have a good feeling. I hope that we're kind of trending in the right direction. And and uh, sooner this gets over, the better, obviously. So we can all do our part to get this over sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. I was on the bike path uh, yesterday between Plain City and Hilliard and quite a few people out, a lot of people walking. Good to see dads and moms with uh, little kids and all that stuff. But everybody's, you know, you pass, you don't stop, you don't linger, you don't talk. And it's nice to see everybody getting out. I think, again, hopefully we look back on this as a great bonding time. Hopefully as tests increase and my friends and the uh, – who are physicians are telling me that our tests are going to increase dramatically here uh, quickly. We'll get a better handle on the fact that a lot of people have had this or get it and recover from it. And then the scary numbers about hospitalization percentages, need for ventilator percentages, need, uh, yeah. you know, unfortunately the death percentages will go down and we can, I mean, hopefully that leads to a return to normal life. I think I kind of I don't want to speak medically, but I think that's kind of the direction, at least from what I read and what I understand and questions that I ask. That's kind of the direction uh, that we're heading. And so uh, I want to get back to normal life only. No, selfishly, of course, everybody wants to get back to normal life. But I keep thinking about the people that, you know, the three million jobless claims. Mm. You know, uh, and hopefully you know, those, I know some of those won't come back, but hopefully a lot of those will come back. And I just was kind of happy. I was thinking about this this morning. And again, I have no agenda here politically whatsoever. I just it's, was fortunate, I believe, for us in the uh, time to have 
strong economic fundamentals and so that our economy can absorb such a hit and hopefully as a country our economy will bounce back uh, quickly and I, I think that's what's best for the country and best for everybody that lives in the country because I was thinking what if our economy was in the tank and all this happened it would just make it even mm. worse t- to me it seems like so uh, I, I, I tend to kind of keep the positive outlook I mean i don't like to play the what if game, but I play the what if game both ways. You know, what if this lasts five more months? But I tend to think, well, what if it lasts, uh, as uh, Dr. Amy Acton said, it, it peaks at uh, April and May and we start smoothing out and hopefully uh, we'll have a great summer ahead of us. Hopefully we will. Uh, speaking of economics, uh, we will do our part to help those of you who have economic need in the wake of the COVID-19 cutbacks around the 20-minute mark today. We will draw our four winners of $100. It's the second Friday we've done this. We're looking forward to it. Continue to get your nominations in. Friends, you got to know somebody. You got a restaurant you go to or in the uh, former, you know, in the former way of life. You've got a friend who's out of work, somebody laid off. Send us their name a short snippet about them so that if they win, we can tell people about them and hopefully increase empathy and increase giving. And if you'd like to give to our pool of money to give away, you can do that at our Patreon page. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N and search Spielman and Hooli. You'll find it. We'll give away every dollar. We appreciate those of you who have donated. We've had a few and uh, we'll let you know who the winners are for this week at around the 20 minute mark. Uh, Ryan Day, we talked about in the open Played a snippet from our podcast Wednesday, what questions we would ask him. Pretty much all those questions got asked. Uh, Here is the operative comment from Ryan Day. Everybody wants to know, uh, what if the season is canceled? I don't know. Uh, I I really don't. And for me to comment on it, uh, I would just be, you know, ignorant to really what's real and what isn't. Uh, And there's just so many scenarios out there, like you said, uh, you can go down a lot of rabbit holes, and until we know for sure, I feel like we're kind of wasting energy because I don't, we don't know. Uh, certainly, it's a concern uh, that would it would be awful, but uh, trying not to get that far down the road, trying to just do a great job with today. And I, again, I know that sounds cliche, but until we start to know more, which I'm hoping we do over the next two to three weeks, at least of to forecast it out, uh, it, it's hard to get that far ahead of ourselves. Yeah, I think it is impossible for him to answer it. Uh, But I will say this, Chris, it's impossible for me to envision the cancellation of the college football season or the NFL season. Uh, I didn't think this was possible, what we're going through now, right? I mean, nobody saw this coming at the end, at the, the shutdown rate that we have experienced. I do think he makes a lot of sense, um, in, this, in the fact that as the weeks go by, we're going to get more and more information. And like you opened the show with, like your, the docs that you talk to are getting more and more information so they can help better lead to, you know, necessary precautions or what we need to do and uh, how is the safest, quickest way to get back to normal life. Uh, I don't anticipate the loss of an NFL season. I don't anticipate the loss of a college season, um, but who knows? Uh, I had a guy pose this question to me, a guy I work with at Fox. He said, Chris, maybe you can answer this. What if uh, what if they're doing COVID-19 tests every week for a team, right? You yeah. swab them every week. Yeah. Okay, on, on Saturday, one guy has it. 
That's it. You yeah. Know, that, then you assume how many other guys have it, then how many is going to affect that team, you know, or other players on the other team. So I just don't know. Uh, but I do think like uh, there is probably once the more data comes in and you get actual uh, mathematical numbers based off of data as opposed to uh, projecting out models all the time, which I'm not sure models have their place. But I think once you have actual data where you can then make a, a more accurate, uh, I guess, guesses. I don't know if accurate guesses or yeah. accurate predictions. Educated guesses. A- educated guesses. And, and then you, uh, then you um, weigh the risk. So that's how I feel. Yeah, I, I, you hit on it exactly. When I was thinking about those rabbit holes Ryan talked about that you can go down, I thought, all right, so my assumption is August 1st, maybe probably July 20th, they're going to let them get together early. He talked about wanting an OTA-type situation. Yeah. You talked about, you proposed that the other day, an OTA-type situation. I understand that, and I'm not against that. I just... I don't think it's necessary because if everybody starts from the same place, everybody's operating under the same restrictions, but it's fine. They want to do that. It's fine. But this is the thing. What do you do if, if let's, let's just put a name on it. If Justin Fields tests positive, how long is Justin Fields quarantined? Is Justin Fields out a week? Is Justin Fields out two, three weeks? Once Justin Fields gets it, uh, is it in your locker room? Are you, can guys go back in the locker room? Can you play? If you're not in a hot zone, let's say it cycles through Ohio, and we seem to be you know, about three weeks behind New York, it cycles through Ohio, but it hasn't cycled through Iowa yet, and you're getting ready to play Iowa, and Iowa's got you know X number of guys. Does Iowa have to forfeit? Do you forfeit? I think there are so many unknowns about this, and I'm not trying to be alarmist. I'm, just, I'm trying to present the complexities of right. managing through this situation. Yeah, I, and I don't have those answers. I, I I think we're going to get answers and direction just, you know, within the next three weeks to a month, and you'll be able to better uh, predict. There's a lot of smart people. I mean, yeah. I, the one of the things that amazes me, Bruce, is the, the, the talent that is working on this and what's – what people are being able to do and the ingenuity when you uh, incorporate the, the federal government with the private sector and the mm-hmm. ingenuity that comes up with this is just, it's really amazing to watch. And I was telling uh, Macy, she had a rehabilitation and treatment session where she's the only person. And I was telling her driving in the car the other day that Mace, thank God we live in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope you understand that we've lived in are part of the greatest country ever to any known civilization. And you look at all these people that are working on this and, and doing the very best that they can and sharing their ideas and thoughts and coming together. Uh, I don't think any country can do what we're doing as a whole. Now, obviously, you know, there's people out there that don't like what's going on and, you know, but I think as a whole, our country has pulled together remarkably. I don't know how you feel about it. I yeah. think it's been re- remarkable. We, remarkable. You know, we have a contentious society and we have avenues, social media, which I butchered the other day, you know, indicative of how you can step in it when you're, when you're just not vigilant um, and not collegial. But I am amazed when I hear Governor Cuomo 
and the president and Mike DeWine, and they propose, here's what could happen. You know, we could test blood tests, find out, hey, they've already had it. So we'll inject antibodies in people who haven't had it, and that'll help them fight it if they get it. And it's, you know, we can take one ventilator, and we've gotten allowances from whoever, whatever medical board to use it as two ventilators. I saw a headline today that one ventilator can become four ventilators. And I just think American ingenuity and that synergy between the private sector and the public is an amazing force to watch work. It it is. And I think that's kind of what I've been trying to focus on. And so, and and to take that over into the sports world, I think once there's a better handle on it and uh, once there's a better understanding of what we're dealing with, because of the idea is that it is novel, correct? And so, Mm -hmm. I think once they get the handle on how to do it, then the quicker we can return back to normal for, you know, an area that's important to you and I is the sports world. And so the quicker the sports world can get back to normal, not that that's the most important world, but it is an important world in our society to a certain extent because of the entertainment value that it offers people, the escape that it offers people. And it's, uh, you know, I think it's important for the uh, everybody as a whole. Well, I think it's important for people's collective, you know, just sort of mojo. You know, it's (laughs) diversions are good. Gas tank fillers are good. You know, if your gas tank's empty all the time, it's hard to have a good attitude about things. And, you know, we can put we can put too much emphasis on things, but it doesn't mean we don't need them uh, to some degree. It's interesting to me, as Ryan Day talked about, some guys are still in the dorms. They've obtained waivers. They're allowed to be in the dorms just like students. Jerry Emig jumped in with the that's just like students. They're not getting special favors because they're football players. If you're from a hot zone and you make a petition and you can stay in the dorms if you get that waiver, they are communicating with guys just like all of us are communicating by Zoom meeting, by text messaging, by video messaging. They're staying in touch. They're conference calling with the coaches, he said, twice a day. They're not going into the facility. The facility is closed. Uh, They're observing that. So they're doing what they can do. They're getting workouts from Mickey Marotti. They Guys, some guys have gone home. I asked about the freshman quarterbacks. Jack Miller's back in Arizona. C.J. Stroud is back in Rancho Cucamonga, California. He admitted, yeah, it retards their development, but this is the world we're dealing with. So they're persevering through all that. It is a little bit, though, Chris, like turning the clock back closer to your era and even further back than your era Yeah. in that, you know, this phenomenon of, Players have got to be there all summer, and they got to work out all summer, and there's no summer jobs or anything. That's a phenomenon. I remember early in the Coop era, they had a kid, a linebacker, who was supposed to start. He decided he was going to work at home during the summer. Coop was upset. Somebody else stepped in. Lorenzo Styles was the somebody else who happened to be on campus. Uh, but this whole, like, you got to be on campus all the time, 12 months out of the year, blah, blah, blah. That's a new phenomenon. The other thing is, if they shorten the season to 10 games, well, that's how many games Woody Hayes' super sophomores played in 1969, a 10-game season. Now you got to win 15. Most likely, you got to be undefeated and win 15 to win the national championship. But if they had to delay the season, no football in September, they could still crown a national champion. Yeah. Uh, I think everybody has to be willing to adapt and adjust. And you know, sometimes we're very slow to move, but once we make, and I'm talking about as a country uh, and as people, once we make that uh, uh, commitment to adapt and adjust, then we normally do. I was I was uh, due for a grocery run yesterday, and I was in a Kroger, 
and I'm just observing because you know me, Bruce. I'm always observing mm-hmm. and trying to be the rule follower. And and I observed everybody uh, from the first time this rule came out, and how people were kind of like, yeah, whatever, I'll try to do it. To now, they really focused in on the six feet thing, and you know, smiling at each other and and very courteous. This seemed like a lot of people were very courteous and and not so isolated in their own world. I I have a strange theory about this. Okay. Um, just from my experience that this separation or this social distancing is actually, I think, bringing people closer in a sense, because I just think about when I walk through airports or walk through grocery stores before everybody's in a hurry, everybody's got their ear pods in or, or everybody's head down and on their phone. I didn't see that at the grocery store. Actually, mm-hmm. people. You know, and so, and I think in a sense, this is strangely uh, having people refocus on other people. And I choose to see that. And and if you choose to see it, it's actually there. That's what one of the things I was telling the kids yesterday, that that's where there's a lot of good that can come from this, where we're self-consumed with self. Now I think we're, this is a good lesson on you know, just by social distancing, you're doing something for somebody else, not just yourself. Does yeah. that make any sense? It does. Whatsoever? Absolutely. It totally does. I think it's made us recognize our need for human contact. Yeah. And I don't That's think right. we typically have an appreciation for how much we need human contact. And uh, that's a good thing to to recognize about ourselves and that courteousness toward other people. I mean, we can certainly use that. Uh, I did ask Ryan Day about the possibility of a 10-game season and if he thought that 10 games was an adequate number of games or what would be an adequate number of games to crown a legitimate national champion? Yeah, I, I have not given that any thought. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know about that. I would be certainly before anything like that were ever to come up, I'm sure there'd be a lot of conversation uh, between coaches and ADs. And um, there's, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of things that play there, a lot of ripple effects. And if we get that far, you know, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of research I'll probably have more of an idea of that if it comes up. But right now, I wouldn't say that I've given that really any thought. Uh, so I, I couldn't intelligently answer that right now. Uh, I appreciate sometimes that he doesn't try to, you know, come up with an answer when he doesn't have an right. answer. I think that's the <laughs> that's the right answer. I don't know. Yeah, and I don't know. I, it's, so I'm, just, I'm just saying the answer. So I don't know. Yeah. What do you want me to tell you? I don't know, dude. What do you want? Yeah, there's one thing that we do know how this is uh, shaken out. We don't know how it'll manifest itself. The NCAA normally distributes about $600 million to Division One schools. Uh, this right. year it'll be three seventy dollars uh, because that uh, went up with three twenty. dollars uh, Normally the money comes from the NCAA basketball tournament. It won't be coming from that this year. They had an insurance policy, but it only pays them about half, so they get two seventy dollars from the insurance policy. They got $50 million in reserves, so they'll give that out. And I don't know how that will affect or if that will affect a school like Ohio State. Obviously, a school like Ohio State, Alabama, a place that brings in Texas, a place that brings in a ton of money off of football, will be better able right. to absorb that. And I think, too, where you'll see it is, if you see it, that schools would be down the line with um, non-revenue sports. They would be the ones that uh, would feel that the most, I would think, because uh, the old adage in business also holds in uh, D1 athletics. you got to spend money to make money. Well, the one thing I would be concerned about 
it would be some of the non-conference opponents that the Big Ten schools bring in to play or any like where they, you know, take that one day game check and fund their whole season mm-hmm. with, you know what I mean? Yep. That's, that would be a concern that I would have, but it's going to be a very unique year and, and, you know, it could be a down year. And if it's a down year, that's fine. You absorb the down year and you do your best to come back and get things back to normal. I think adjustments have to be made. There probably will. I have no evidence or understanding of this. I just have a a gut instinct that there's going to be some adjustment somewhere, somehow. And I I don't know if it's going to be a shortening of the season, but I kind of get a feeling that, not the NFL, by the way, because their draft is going to go on. But Their draft's going on, and their season's going to 17 games, but not this year. So I, I just think, college football there might be some i just got a feeling there's going to be some adjustment what that is i don't know i just think there's going to be something uh we'll get to draft related things as a concern some of the ohio state buckeyes and the cincinnati bengals spending a ton of money how much better will it make them in free agency momentarily but we're close to the 20 minute mark of the podcast time to draw our four winners which we do every friday one hundred dollars each to people who have been nominated by our podcast listeners those impacted by covid19 cutbacks uh, we'll get the checks out this week. We sent the first batch of checks out last week. Uh, you can win one time. And so if you uh, were nominated for the first week and you did not win, your name is still in the bucket. And so I will draw the first winner. And the first winner is Abigail Young. Abigail Young. And it says on my card here that Abigail is a waitress who was nominated by uh, the owner of the restaurant uh, who emailed us last week who said she feels bad because they have to lay off a bunch of their workers. And so uh, 2-1 last week, and Abigail is our third winner this week. All right, now we go to our second winner. It's two stuck together. Our second winner is Cameron McLeod. Cameron McLeod. I don't have a story on Cameron, but he's been nominated by someone. Uh, We'll see if we can go through the emails and find him. Our third winner is Amanda... Tyree, Amanda Tyree. She's also one of the 20 laid off at this restaurant. And so, uh, you know, that's great. Now we've gotten up to four people at that restaurant. And our final winner this week is, uh, the winner is Charles Cox. But if memory serves me from my note on this entry, yes, Charles Cox is a pastor who nominated uh, one of the congregants in his congregation, a single mom with five children. Oh, boy. So that's a phenomenal heart uh, on his part, and we will get those checks out toot sweet, as they say in uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And uh, we thank all of you who nominated people. The nominees who were not drawn this week will remain in the bucket for next week, and we'd encourage you to get nominees in. Tell your friends. Tweet our tweets out from We Tackle. Spielman uh, and Hooley's Twitter page from at Chris Spielman, from at B. Hools, retweet our tweets about getting nominations in so that we can get more and more nominations in and help people, uh, which we're hoping some corporate sponsor or somebody will donate a big chunk of money and we can give away a ton. I saw the Clemson SI site was giving away $250, and they had they planned to do one winner, and they had uh, fans of the Clemson fans chipped in so they could give away four. So Clemson wow. fans chipped in with 750 bucks. So, I mean, if there's any way to get Ohio State fans fired up, it's to say, 
people, are you going to let Clemson fans get the, uh, yeah, get exactly. the over on you? I mean, come on. Yeah. So we just, need the, we just need the people that listen to our podcast to help us get the word out of what, what we're doing. We've had, what, about 20, 25? Yeah. Well, I think now uh, we're about 35 entries. 35 entries. Yeah. And, you know, we and if there's anybody that wants to donate to the Patreon page, I'm going to, starting next week, I'm going to throw another 100, so we're going to actually have five winners in next week. Wow. Uh, so, um, you know, help help us help you. Yes. That's and, and the biggest way you can help us if, if you're not able to financially is to uh, spread the word about what we're trying to do here. So there you go. And you're doing a phenomenal thing, Chris, by donating this uh, to get this thing started and to get it rolling. Yeah. And, uh, just uh, Well, I hate, that, I hate that you said that Clemson yeah. is, is beating. Yeah, so, Clemson. Uh, yeah, th- right away I said, okay, well, okay. where can where can I'm gonna go hit the kids up for donations? So I want to make them each donate twenty five dollars. Uh, yes, if they if they have it, if they have you know, it, the, if they have it, they got it from you. That's where they got. They'll it. say, yeah, well, no, they all work. Okay, me. they Good. say, uh, yeah, there's no free rides in this house. Dude. Excellent. But they, I said, uh, they'll say something like, well, can you Venmo? Can I Venmo it to you? And I go, why? Huh? Huh? What? <laughs> yeah, I know. We'll have to jump on that train sometime. I'll let uh, you handle the technical part of it. Exactly. Uh, we want to remind people that the official coffee of the Spielman & Hooley podcast is Hemisphere Coffee Roasters in Mechanicsburg. And yes, they are still open. They are considered essential because they furnish grocery stores with their outstanding coffee from Nicaragua, from Thailand. Uh, we have some emails about Hemisphere Coffee as people continue to discover it Uh they are finding out that uh, what we tell them about how great it is is 100% true. And, of course, uh, they also have a charitable mindset as they are supporting direct-to-grower in Nicaragua, in Thailand, and they're doing great things for those who uh, then do great things with the money as they just, you know, support planning of churches in Nicaragua and uh, women in uh, Thailand. What are you doing there, Mr. Spielman? You sound like you're getting a s- skillet out to cook breakfast? No, I just walked in. You started talking about Hemisphere Coffee. I had one. I just I'm walking in and I just grabbing a second cup for the oh, show. Okay, fantastic. That's the beauty of that's the beauty of doing this show from home. Yes, so I know. I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be that loud, but no, the Hemisphere right. Coffee. I'm sure that people will understand that, even though you just talked about it. I had a hunker and urge to go in there and get another cup. Uh, Speaking of Hemisphere, here's an email from our friend Andy at Hemisphere. He says, I want to thank your listeners who've ordered coffee from Hemisphere. You have some awesome fans of your show. And Chris, thanks for the honest review of the coffee. Fortunately, you like it, or this might have been the most awkward sponsorship (laughs) we've ever done. Well, speaking of which... Running a little low, Andy. Are you? All right. Well, he <laughs> yeah, says at the yeah, end of the email, if you need more, let him know, and he will yeah. uh, send you more. So uh, yeah, that's awesome. uh, that's where he's at. All right. Uh, let's. Uh, tra- uh, by the way, you go when you go to hemispherecoffeeroasters.com, hemispherecoffeeroasters.com, use the promo code WE TACKLE LIFE in all caps, WE TACKLE LIFE, and they will give you 15% off. Uh, if you don't remember the promo code, uh, there's a comment section. Make a note that you're a Spielman and Hooley listener, but it's much easier for them if you use the promo code in the proper place. That way, it'll uh, I'm sure it will ring up uh, easier. But uh, they do a great job with that. Uh, and I would I would highly suggest you order the chocolate too because it's made from a cover crop 
of the coffee plant, coffee tree, whatever, called Cocal. And I start my day with their dark chocolate, one little chunk of the bar every day, and just let it dissolve in my mouth. It's phenomenal. So a little bit of coffee flavor, but I'm not a huge coffee guy. But I love their coffee because, as you've said before, no bitter aftertaste, and the chocolate is phenomenal. All right, uh, we get Mike Brown to donate to the uh, giveaway, but I don't know if Mike has any money left. He spent $145 million, Spiels, the Bengals owner, the cheapskate, $145 million in free agency. Let me run down some of the names. DJ Reader, defensive tackle from the Houston Texans. Trey Waynes and uh, Mackenzie Alexander, cornerbacks from Minnesota. Xavier yeah, Sua. Were, yeah. Go ahead. So, go ahead. Uh, well, uh, would well, the last just, would the last yeah, defensive back in Minnesota turn out the lights in the meeting room as Xavier Rhodes is leaving as well? What's going on with Rick and his quarterbacks? Can't pay him off. Yeah. So, and you know, I think Mike Zimmer's got a, a great confidence in his ability to coach corners. They have Mike Hughes. Hopefully, he'll be okay number one pick from Central Florida that can play corner, but he's coming off of a serious neck injury. They think he's going to be okay. Uh, and they have some young guys that they're bringing along and developing. And, and I guarantee you, Rick has a plethora of draft picks. And I guarantee you that uh, he will draft some corners and probably, uh, if I were him, a uh, wide receiver and offensive line. I mean, that's the needs of the of the Vikings right now. So. We'll see, but yeah, but I, I like Trey. I think Trey is is really good at times and gotten better over the years. Mackenzie Alexander is a guy that's really improved uh, over the, his time. When he first got there, he was clutchy and grabby, which most young corners are, right? Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. they get a little nervous, and when you're playing against NFL guys, and the NFL rules are a little bit different. But Mackenzie's a great competitor, and uh, I think he'll be a, a nice fit. Uh, for the Bengals down there. So I, I, a definite upgrade, and I applaud Mike. And they also got, I believe, signed Von Bell. Von Bell, so, safety. They got Josh so, Bynes, a linebacker. Uh, right. Let me see if I got anybody else here. No, that does it. There's five guys. That's a lot of money. Uh, DJ Reader, Von Bell, Mackenzie Alexander, uh, Trey Waynes on the uh, defensive side with Josh Bynes, a linebacker. Uh, their defense was abominable last year. Their secondary gave up 70, 70 completions of 20 yards or more. No wonder you yeah. win just a few games. But right. that defense could be made over, I would think. Well, you're having five new starters come in, right? And, and to, Yeah, they are. I believe they will be, but we'll see. But uh, Von Bell's in the box safety, and the kid from Wake Forest, Bates. Jesse right? Bates. They got Sean yeah. Williams at safety. Their corners now will be Alexander and Waynes, the two guys from Minnesota. They still have William Jackson, who I like. Yeah. Drake Kirkpatrick yeah. might be a veteran who gets cut, but he's there right now. Well, and and I think Von Bell, you know, Von Bell's an in the box safety too. That's a is is a pretty darn good player. So plus Sam Hubbard up front. Yep. Plus um, still oh, got the, Dunlap. Yeah, Carlos Dunlap and uh, Gino. Gino Atkins, yeah. And the DJ Reader signing is the biggest one. Four years, $53 million. He's just a guy who just crashes the line, causes havoc, and I would he's a guy who opens up things for other people because he has to be occupied by multiple people. Yeah, so who's he helped most? He helps your your defensive ends the most. 
Right, and, and, and your linebackers. Run. Yeah, and the linebackers. He's Jerry Ball. Right. He's 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 the Bengal version of Jerry Ball for you. Well, Gino's that too. So I mean, Gino Atkins is that guy too. So hopefully, Gino has a little bit left in the tank. I think he does. I don't think he is where he was three years ago, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be a very good, very productive player. And so, at least on paper for Bengals fans, I think they should be somewhat excited because, in my mind, uh, they've upgraded. So good for them. And who was the guy in uh, Buffalo that couldn't tie his shoes? Uh, Ted Washington. Ted Washington. So I big at nose Ted. tackle, he could not bend over and tie his shoes. Former Brown Ted Washington, by the way. <laughs> you didn't know he played for the Browns? I did not. Uh, the Bengals did lose Andrew Billings, a uh, young player out of Baylor who missed his first year, but it's been a pretty good player. He's uh, with the Browns now. Andrew Billings yeah. signed a free agent with contract with the Browns. Hey, on the offensive side, the Bengals are going to have a new look too, obviously. You got uh, Xavier Suofila, the uh, guard from Dallas, started 12 games the last two years. They got him for three years, probably because Billy Price has been a big disappointment for them. But they get an extra first-round pick because they get Jonah Williams, their first-round tackle from last year from Alabama, who was out. He's back. That's exciting. That's and you get, exciting. And you get, so you've upgraded the line for, oh, by the way, Joe Burrow at quarterback. Yeah. Joe Burrow at quarterback, A.J. Green, operating under the franchise tag. Yep. So, uh, Joe Mixon, offensively, I, I really like I, – I mean, I know Zach Taylor took a lot of heat, young guy. I really like what Zach is going to do. So they're going to be much improved. So I'm happy for Bengals fans. Should I buy into how much improvement? How much improvement should I buy into? Um, what did they win last year? Three? Two? I think one? two. I think two. <laughs> I'm not sure so, about that, but I think they won two. Uh, rookie quarterback? I think if they could get six to seven would be big progress, to be honest with you. Does that make everybody sad now? Did I think I so. That? I think so, yeah. Bengals were two what, what, and, yeah, Bengals were two and fourteen. Okay, but so you get the six or seven victories? I mean it's a five game improvement. But you know, they haven't been yeah. in the playoffs in four years, so people but want to get, I mean, people want to get in the playoffs. Don't under uh, underestimate and I know you don't, Bruce, but don't underestimate the challenges of a rookie quarterback. No, true. I mean, it's just, you know, especially coming to a 2-14 and 14 rookie quarterback, it's not like you're you're plugging in Russell Wilson at the Seattle Seahawks or, or you're plugging in uh, Ben Roethlisberger, right, with the Pittsburgh Steelers who went all the way to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. That's just not probably going to happen. So you got to be patient. But I think you, as a Bengals fan, for me, I look at, okay, if I can get to six or seven victories, that'd be, a, at the best, a five-game improvement. But then I want to see, okay, how many games could I have won? To look at just improvement. I know you don't like to measure that. That's how I measure if a team is heading in the right direction. Are we looking at a playoff team next year? No. Well, I, not now. I don't believe we are. Too but tough are of a division. A, yeah, too yeah, tough of a division. Are, and are we, are we looking at a team that is, is growing and developing and, and then – that could be good and can beat a lot of people. Yes. Are they going to be better than last year? I almost 100% guarantee on that. Uh, you can email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at WeTackle. And you can visit our website, SpielmanAndHooley.com. Again, get those nominations in for people who you would like to see win $100 in our Friday drawing. And uh, we do not appear on Facebook Live today because the Facebook Live is not too exciting when 
you are where you are and I am where I am. But when we get back into the same location, we will resume uh, the Facebook Live broadcasts. Uh, let's chat. Well, up. the ratings definitely go up when I'm there. There's no doubt. As you said back in the day, <laughs> so I've never forgotten this, on the big show, on the fan, and you said, and when I'm here, it's a bigger show, which, is, which was so true. I do not deny that. Uh, I was kidding. I know you were, people, but it was people are, in people every joke. There's an element of truth. But you, you have to tell people that don't know me that I, I kid like that a lot. Yes, I mean, you do. Please, all right. That's our relationship. So it's yeah. one of the one of the joys of our relationship. All right. So the draft is going forward, as you said. Uh, Chase Young. Nobody needs to interview Chase Young to know how good he is. Nobody needs to interview or physically examine Jeff Okuda to know how good he is. Does this hurt guys like Robert Landers, Malik Harrison? Does it hurt J.K. Dobbins, this thing where teams can't bring guys in? I'm sure. Is Rick telling yes. you? Are they interviewing guys on Skype? Like, what are they doing? What what We know yes. what they can't do. What are they doing? Well, they're doing exactly what you would think they would do, right? There's a lot of smart people in the NFL. I think you would agree with that. I think the GMs, this is just my opinion, I think the GMs are ticked. I haven't talked to Rick since Sunday, so I don't. But Goodell just came out and said, "You got to do the draft as we always do it. You yeah. got to figure figure a way out how to do it." And so I, I think the GMs are ticked and saying, "Okay, wait. Now you're taking away how we do operations, and you're telling us to do it exactly the same way that they do it." So what I do think is that you're going to see teams maybe make mistakes on guys that they normally would not make and you know the difficulty of making trades how difficult is that going to be i mean can you imagine mm. uh, i tweeted out yesterday i think one way to do it is to do it seven rounds in seven days give out like a half hour between each pick and so to have teams be able to contact and move and make trades and go up and down instead of putting them under this amazing amount of pressure what if you're what if your uh, Facebook Live page goes dead or like it freezes or yeah. you get a bad co connection? Are you going to be punished for that? So I just think there's a lot of things that can go wrong. So in my opinion, to eliminate the opportunity for technical difficulties, uh, make it seven days for seven rounds and we'll see how it happens. But I don't think they're going to do that. And so... You know, it's a lot of communication. I know that Rick, uh, as of today, uh, their stay-at-home order has gone into place. Uh, as of today, that they're not allowed in the building. He and George, there are only two guys going in there anyway. They're not allowed in. No. Every, every, every NFL, see, Minnesota is going to fall under the same category as Ohio starting today, right? And so what's happening, in my opinion, is that it's not my opinion. It's what Goodell stated, that since one team can't uh, operate out of their facility, no teams mm. can operate out of their facility. So I'm sure Rick is scrambling, okay, where can I set up the technology and the TV screens and the phone lines? And where can I set everything up to be able to operate? Because he can't do it from his basement. He doesn't have the, the ability to have whatever, 200 mm -hmm. whatever watts or whatever yeah. you need for, or 
you know, internet power. Well, I can, hey, Rick and I can identify. That's why I'm in yeah. the laundry room. Cause I can't get you yeah. on the phone in my yeah. basement. So, I mean, so, you know, that's the, that's the craziness of this thing. But, you know, again, I, I think the human beings and really smart people, uh, and all people have the ability to adapt when they're forced to. There's ingenuity that's created. There's just a lot of things that will come from this and a lot of lessons that will be learned. And in the long run, I think teams will learn how to operate more efficiently. <laughs> to be honest, I think a lot of businesses, by yeah. the way, are going to learn how to operate more efficiently when this thing is, uh, is over. Don't, I mean, I don't know if you see that. I, I do. I, I, I do. I mean, I really believe that. But you know, part of the fun of the draft is the spectacle of the draft, right? And that's what's going to be missed. But I think the biggest concern is, you know, what if a doctor is needed in an emergency room? What if there's a shortage of doctors? Well, obviously, you know, given a full rundown on a report of this guy, the doctor might be not be available to speak to. Who knows? There's all kind of problems that... <laughs> Excuse me, I have allergies. But I was going to say, you're, are you sick? Are you uh, just no, battling I'm allergies? Not, no, I'm not sick at all. Okay. In the morning, I, I wake up with uh, allergies all the time, so it takes a little bit. But here, here's the, my point is um, that they're going to have to figure this out. Uh, they will. And general managers, during the draft, they, how many mock drafts do they do, Bruce? Oh. Take a guess. I can't even right? guess. Hundreds, I so, would think. Right. So they, and it's all relatively speaking, of course, keeping things in perspective, it's all a doomsday scenario too. So they go through every possible scenario that they can go through, but they do that uh, with everybody under one roof in the same room. So it's a lot of pressure on these guys from their job point of view. But again, I think these guys are smart guys and they'll get it done and they'll figure a way out of how to do it. I mean, one, uh, I think one of the things that I heard uh, Rick talk about was, you know, he might, they might go to a hotel in South Dakota or something to operate out of there. I don't know, mm. you know, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. They just don't have, but I said, you better be careful about hotels because I've been in a lot of hotels where the internet is very shaky. Yeah. Well, I would imagine they'll have uh, police that, frontwards and backwards before it happens uh, because that could be, uh, you know, a dire situation. I think Mr. Spielman just dropped, so we'll give him a call back. Maybe he hit a button on his phone when he coughed, and we'll dial him back up. In the meantime, let me share with you the fact that a Hemisphere Coffee Roasters is the official podcast. I'm back. Hey, there you go. What happened? Did you sneeze on your phone and knock yourself off? No. I'm good now. All right, good. Uh, Let me remind people, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, here's an email from Chris. To SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com. I just went to Hemisphere Coffee Roasters website, and it's awesome that they have green coffee beans that my wife, Nancy, can roast here at home. Living on the west side of Michigan, since we moved seven months ago, we were wondering where we would find good coffee, and now we did. Yes, you can get the beans from Hemisphere, and you can roast them yourself if you're a coffee connoisseur. Uh, That would be just fine, just fine with us. I, I want to know where you can find a wife that actually roasts coffee beans. I, I I don't know coffee, so I don't know if it's better that way or what. But I did I did get a a primer on I guess when you roast coffee, there are uh, gases that it emits, and so these bags that they ship to you have 
a one-way vent in them. So the gases can get out, but they can't get back in, and nothing else can get in. So they yeah. have this figured out. It's uh, There's a lot of technology that goes into it, into the K-cups. Their K-cups are the finest uh, on the market. And uh, Spiels, they keep claiming that uh, the K-cups, they want you to taste a fresh-brewed cup at their facility in Mechanicsburg. Well, if I gave I you 50 bucks, could you find your way without GPS to Mechanicsburg? <laughs> yeah. Not a chance. Yeah. Not well, a chance. Come with me. Yes. Very good. All right. Uh, let me read an email from, remember a few weeks ago when Ohio State was getting ready to play Illinois, and I told you that I ran into a state trooper at the game, and yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. neat guy yeah. who'd worked at Ohio State in the strength program and now is an instructor at the State Patrol Academy. Uh, so he sent me an email. Uh you told me, so he talks about, I gave him, he didn't know the podcast existed. I gave him a card. He says he's listened to every episode since. That away. You told me, Bruce, that if I wanted, I could skip the faith portion of the podcast. However, I found it has been very satisfying and thought-provoking. Being a state trooper and my wife being a nurse, we serve the public and have come to grips with the fact that one of us will probably be exposed to this virus. Listening to the faith portion has undoubtedly given me peace in this turbulent time. Wow. You and Chris speaking the other day about fear and is a liar and is not an asset was especially powerful for me and my family as a catholic family with two very young children we try to root our family in faith it's comforting to hear you both talk about how imperfect your faith is it's nice to know that i am not alone thanks for the work you're doing keep being a light in the darkness with your positivity in my mind you are both essential employees so i guess what the trooper is saying chris is if you want to drive out here and he pulls you over, wanting to know where you're going. You could tell him that you are an essential employee. Well, I, I'm actually debating that because I'm not putting anybody at risk. And I, I don't know. I, I mean, we'll, we'll have to talk about this. And I go from my driveway to your basement to your basement back to my driveway without contact with anybody. The only contact I would have if I would need gas, I would stop at uh, a gas station. I'm and sure the so, point some emailer would make is that you are bringing uh, all your kids into my house, your wife into my house, everybody you've been in contact with. And I get it. I get it. And we want to be respectful. So you and I will have that conversation. And uh, so far, people have not objected to the quality of the podcast, either audibly or, you know, our chemistry-wise yeah. being affected. So we'll see how it goes. I'm open to it either way. I want to share another email with people hoping to inspire you to nominate people for our drawing. Here is uh, one of our latest nominations. It comes from Michael. He says, I want to nominate Caitlin. Caitlin lost her job on Monday. This was Kate's brand new job. She moved to Dayton in August. She started a job at Prime D, I didn't know. I don't know what Prime D is. It's a healthcare company, I think, which was going to turn into a job at Kettering Health Network. Her new job would provide insurance, better pay, and college tuition reimbursement, so she could finally go to school to study ministry. I've never heard her more anxious about her bills, but during this time, she has still purchased groceries for neighbors and less fortunate people. So, she's wow. giving back, and he wants uh, to give back to her. So. You all know somebody like this, I would think. Uh, everybody's been impacted by this and are being impacted by this, so please uh, share their names with us as we move forward and have our drawing 
For next week, if you missed it, uh, the winners this week, Charles Cox, a pastor who's going to give the money to a single mom with five children, uh, Abigail Young and Amanda Tyree, who were nominated by the owner of the restaurant where they were laid off, and our, th- our fourth winner is Cameron McLeod. So we'll get those checks out uh, very quickly. Mr. Spielman, as we transition into the faith portion of the podcast, uh, would you like to uh, start us off today, or would you like for me to start us off today? What's your pleasure? I'd like you to start off today. Okay. Uh, so this morning... I was thinking back, you know, I'm doing this 56-day thanks where I'm grateful for something every day during these perhaps eight weeks where we're sequestered. And my 56-day thanks the other day was for the, I don't know how I phrase it, but it's basically the well-intentioned, I think that's what I said, well-intentioned rebuke of a friend. It was your rebuke on my Twitter screw-up the other day where I got snarky with uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo in what I thought was a inconsistent intellectual position saying that we're not going to sacrifice old people during this, but he's a very pro-abortion governor. Uh, And I feel bad about that. I feel bad about screwing that up Uh, and not stating the tweet in an empathetic way, uh, which I could have done in a much more thought-provoking way, which would have been a much more effective way. And so I was thinking about, why do I keep screwing this stuff up, Lord? Why, you know, come on. Um. And I hearken back to like times in my life where my kids are trying to do something and they can't do it. And I either swoop in to rescue them because I'm impatient (laughs) and I want to do it myself or they need my help. Sometimes my kids, they can't get the top off a jar or they can't get the lid off their water bottle. Here, dad, can you unscrew this? Yes, I can be happy to. So you can do it compassionately or you can do it because you lost patience. It doesn't really matter. Sometimes you swoop in and you help other people. Uh, well-intentioned or poorly intentioned. And I think about God watching me as I continue to screw up on Twitter and I continue to screw up in my life. And uh, just then I came across a verse in Proverbs. I tell you, I read a verse in Proverbs or a, a chapter in Proverbs every day to correspond with the date of the month. So here you go. Proverbs twenty-seven, twelve: the prudent see danger and take refuge. The simple keep going and suffer for it. So you rebuked me the other day lovingly yet forcefully i needed to hear it uh it was wise counsel which i appreciate doesn't always feel good because i don't like to admit that i screwed up but i did screw up and i appreciate you calling me on it but i don't want to just keep going and suffer for it i want to get better and i thought about how many times i've screwed up in my life first time second time third time and god's infinite patience And one of the ways that I screwed up in my life was I kept thinking, well, I'm in my 20s and I'm really not getting the spiritual thing. I'm in my 30s and I'm really not getting the spiritual thing. I know it's important, but I'll get to it someday. I would encourage you, challenge you, that if you're that person, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Nobody knows the day or the hour. Kobe Bryant didn't know the day or the hour. Um. But the beautiful thing is our failures, our screw-ups one time, two times, ten times, or as I wrote down in my journal, 856 times in my case, and that's, you know, not an exact number, but it probably underestimates it. He can use those mistakes. He does use those mistakes to build our spiritual muscles and turn it into something great down the road. Uh, God will not force you to do anything, but there are consequences for everything. And another verse that I saw about a week ago from Proverbs 20, the lamp of the Lord searches the spirit of a man. The lamp of the Lord searches the spirit of a man. 
It searches out his inmost being. Picture a dark room. You light a candle. You turn on a flashlight. The light illuminates. It goes into every corner of the room if you shine it there. So if God's searchlight is getting your attention and you have a little tweak on your heart, like, I got to get this right. I got to get this. I got to fix this. I got to do better here. You're not going to have peace until you address that post-it note that he's put on your heart. And if you don't know what that is, but you just have a, a malaise or a, a, an unsettled nature, I'd ask you to approach it from one of these five areas, which I think will touch, touch just about everything you're engaged in. Ask yourself, I want to be the type of father who blank. I want to be the type of husband who blank. I want to be the type of friend I want to be the type of leader or I want to be the type of employee. So try to find where God's shining that light in your life and know that uh, you're not going to have peace until you uh, attend to it. But if you're like me and you keep screwing up, God can take those screw-ups and use them to make you better and bear fruit for his kingdom. Oh, well said. Uh, the other thing I think it's important for people to note is that no matter how many times you screw up, if your uh, intention in your heart, in the feeling in your heart, is that you're truly sorry, you will be forgiven, and God forgives you. And this is something that you and I have struggled with, and we talked about on this podcast many times. And one of my main struggles is the concept of God giving me grace. And I have to remind myself that how many times will God forgive me? Is there a number? Well, the number is infinite. Uh, you know, Jesus says, what, 77 times or seven times seven or. Yeah. And meaning infinite. Yeah. Meaning infinite. So I think that's heartening to know. And it's not like we're trying to screw up or we want to screw up, or our intention is to make somebody feel bad or to hurt people, that's not our intention. At least it's not mine when I screw up. I don't like to think it is. I I try to be very conscious of that. But the cool thing is, is that you're forgiven, and you're forgiven by uh, coming up on in a couple weeks. You're forgiven by a death on a Friday and a resurrection on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we win. So I want to thank you because our talk about fear, Bruce, the other day inspired me to write something about fear. And it's, uh, I kind of copied it, but I added a little bit uh, of my own to it. And I actually hung this up on the refrigerator in our house. One of the things I've been doing is trying to put little Bible verses uh, around the house to remind the kids when they go to get something to eat or remind my wife or to remind me uh, what we're dealing with. So I want to share two things uh, that are hanging up around my house. Fear. We all, and, the, and here's what I wrote to them, and it's on the refrigerator. We all have it at one time or another, but remember fear is a liar. Don't let fear control you. Take action. Fight back. Pray and trust God. Don't let fear win. We win. Um, I know it's simple, but it's, I think, to the point. And then somebody sent me this and I hung this up. Uh, 
Second Chronicles 7.14. So for those of you that write this stuff down at home or that are listening, Second Chronicles 7.14. And this is a call to action for those who are thinking about what this Christianity thing could do for them or for those of us that are convinced what this Christianity thing does for us. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And I thought that was very appropriate uh, for our situation that we're in. And so it can get a... Uh, enormously frustrating to uh it can be a for me it can be a uh roller coaster ride there's ups and there's downs right so i keep telling myself that i'm going to step away from the phone and step away from the twitter machine and step away from the television and not constantly bombard myself with news right mm -hmm. because it's too much of a roller coaster because I have one guy saying everything's going to be okay. I have another guy saying we're all going to be dead in, in a week, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just, it's just not healthy. And I don't need to constantly, I mean, I need, I need to be aware and I need to educate myself, but it's just not healthy. And I need to not focus so much on that, but focus on what I know is truth and a promise. And as you said, I don't know what today is going to bring. I don't even know if I'm going to have a tomorrow, but I know that living in the moment and focusing on God and the truth, that I tend to have a little more of a spring in my step, a little more optimism, a little more hope, a little more joy. And uh, I don't know why I don't do that more. And I got to get better. So if you out there feel like I do, uh, tell me that if you tend to focus on God a little bit more or bring God into it a little bit more, it's, uh, it's helpful. Now, I know I'll give you an example. If you want to, it's kind of cool if mm -hmm. you want to hear an example. Yeah. So I have issues falling asleep, right? I, I just do. It's just I've always had them. And, you know, back during my previous struggle, which, you know, you and I wrote a book about in – I didn't sleep because what entered into my mind, the what if game, right? What if this happens? What if that happens? And it's just something I learned how to deal with. And so in Catholicism, there's a thing called a rosary. It's just prayers, right? And there's a, and there's a chaplets where they, you say these prayers and you can get apps on them. And I was so tired yesterday because I didn't sleep the night before. I slept probably two hours. And I was on a couch. I don't know. I was worried about whatever, worried about life and had a little anxiety because it's something that I, that, you know, we all battle. And it's something that I battle that I am constantly aware of and constantly fighting. And not that it, it's debilitating or, you know, it doesn't, it's just at times it can overtake me. Sure. And so I put this app on in yesterday afternoon at uh, uh, about three o'clock, and I'm and they're saying the prayers, and the next thing I know, it's six o'clock. Mm -hmm. So and and I wake up rested and refreshed. Now, <laughs> you know, 
it just when I started focusing on the prayers that were being said, my mind was put at ease. And the next thing I know, three hours later, I wake up refreshed. So that's the thing I'm talking about. When there is anxious moments or you feel anxiety coming on, you, you got to hit the brakes and change direction and focus on things above, not things here. And when I did that, all of a sudden, I was giving, given a gift of rest. I don't know. So that was just a personal experience. I think that's so great, and it's it's – it's often so interesting to me how much what you talk about and what I feel, you know, compelled to talk about fit together so well. And we don't rehearse this. I have no idea what you're going to say in the faith portion. Similarly, you have no idea what I'm going to say. My 56-day thanks when I got up this morning, I haven't tweeted it yet, was sleep and rest. Yeah. <laughs> and that I just thought, wow. you know, how cool is that, that, you know, we get to lay down at night and we can sleep and rest and be rejuvenated. And I really think if we look for those things, as you said, with the news, there's stuff that can roil you up inside and upset you. So much of where we are mentally is what choices are we making to occupy our mind, to occupy our thoughts, to occupy yeah. our time. So much of it is is purposeful. We think it just sort of happens and it comes across... If you stop and say, well, what am I investing in? Where am I putting my time here? Am I watching, you know, some television show that has no impact? Or am I just, my, my kid wants to talk to me, and how important is this thing I'm watching on TV right now? It's not important. You know, uh, there are just so many things we can do that are purposeful that I think slide right by us, and we think, well, that's my world. Well, it doesn't have to be your world. It doesn't have to be your world. So we encourage you to look for those good things, to be thankful for things, and um, you know, we appreciate that you guys spend time with us hey, yeah. three days a week. I, I just want to add one more thing. Mm -hmm. um, when, we, when we share this, I guarantee you that people that listen have the same exact feelings, and so that's the beautiful thing about doing this, is it's letting those people know that their struggle is our struggle and their triumphs are our triumphs. So that's really cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great to talk to you again, my friend. Uh, we'll confer about Monday. Uh, everyone have a great weekend and we will talk to you again Monday here on the uh, Spillman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast.